0: Today on our show, we review a film about puppets that have sex with cows. We also talk about our favourite films, If They Were Remade, with puppets. It's a very puppet-centric podcast. And we also go into Final Space with Netflix's latest show about Final Space. In a cloud where there are already too many film podcasts,
1: you have to ask yourself, what's the harm in one more? Two ordinary men armed with unqualified opinions talk filmy to me
0: hello welcome to the talk filmy to me podcast a film podcast about news entertainment general pop culture it's the podcast that has looked back on your childhood things that you love like puppets and thought hmm wouldn't it be funny to watch a cow being milked by an octopus anyway moving back to a normal direction joining me on the pod today it's my main guy it's my original og host john descamento how are you doing kind sir I'm
1: very good. Um, Obviously, I was anticipating an earlier recording of this, but someone wasn't um, quite in there, quite ready.
0: No, you've shamed me, John. Yes, I I went out last night with a a few friends, actually other podcast hosts as well. Sometimes we meet up and talk. So a couple of guys from a podcast called A Pod of Two Halves, a football podcast. Highly recommend it. Um, We went out for a few drinks, and yes, it ended up being a bit of a late one, and. I had to give the text of shame to John saying, can we mate and do it later please because the room's still spinning. <laughs> well, I feel
1: shamed because that I haven't done that in a while. You know, I feel like maybe you're cooler than me even though we're both the same age.
0: <laughs> no, we're, trust me, how I'm feeling shows how uncool I am. Just, yeah, it was, uh, it's it's a young man's <laughs> game. But uh, and I always say the same thing of never again, never again until till the next one but uh but anyway shall we crack straight on with news <laughs> news Matt Smith the Doctor as uh, some of us might come to know uh, he's joining the new Star Wars film in Star Wars Episode 9 it's been unconfirmed what his character or who his character is I should say but uh, this is quite exciting Star Wars has got a, a lot to to live up for with this latest endeavour they're, they're reaching out for and they're obviously trying to to build up the cast again obviously after killing most of them over the last two films so so this is interesting John are you a Matt Smith fan? Do
1: you know what I, I am actually I think he's got a lot of range uh, obviously in the crown which i i didn't particularly enjoy uh not being a royalist but i thought he actually portrayed the duke of edinburgh pretty pretty well <laughs> pretty fairly uh pro- you probably could have gone further with it
0: i've never seen it but is he i can just imagine how how can you play philip and it not be comical right like, does, is he serious in this? What sort of take, spin does he take on it?
1: You no, know, he's. I mean, he. He. I think he does a good job bringing bringing to life a young Duke of Edinburgh, and he's sort of how you imagine. But they've toned down the racism a little bit. I think he could have gone further with the racism because, let's face it, a young Duke of Edinburgh is a different time. Let's give him an excuse. I bet he was absolutely terrible for for the old casual racism. <laughs> Anyway, I shouldn't have a go at the Royals too much. I'll get in trouble. Get a letter from the Queen again. Not like the last time.
0: (laughs) And John was just like, oh, it's a letter from Freddie Mercury. (laughs) No, it's it's actually the Queen. But uh, anyway, moving on. So The Predator, Shane Black's Predator movie. We're really looking forward to this. Uh, We're hoping it's a return to form for the the big vicious creatures from outer space obviously a few trailers have been dropping here and there it's coming out very soon in fact we'll be reviewing that film in the coming weeks and uh, the last or i say the final trailer drops yesterday and it's it's uh, what the americans call a red band trailer that means it's gory as hell and i for one i'm getting really hyped about this film john do you do you care is this something you're you're hyped for is this a meh moment for you
1: i wasn't hyped but i watched the trailer and it just brought all the testosterone to the surface of me and i mean this is like uh a crazy testosterone fueled lads movie right (laughs) it's got it looks like a good cast um there was only about one woman in the trailer and she was hot so you can tell who's (laughs) made this movie but um I it genuinely looks like it might be an enjoyable sort of gore fest of uh you know, a bit of fun. So I I'm definitely keeping my open minded, but I, I fear, you know, I'll, my snobbery will probably come out in the review. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, I agree. It's probably a, more of a hark back to to more '80s style action horror, but uh, but yeah, I, I can't wait. I think it's it's going to be hopefully much better than that Predator sequel we got um, not too long ago. Predators, which was a, a kind of weird, went on their planet. Obviously, there was the the Donald Glover, oh sorry, Danny Glover. Uh, I keep mixing those two up. The Danny Glover um, '80s movie as well. Obviously, Army's first endeavor on that. Um, so yeah, that will come out very soon. We'll be reviewing it, as John mentioned. But let's move into another couple of bits that have been announced. So, Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. As we mentioned before, the cast is absolutely stellar. They found their Charles Manson, and he's being played by Damon Herman, who's also been cast as Charles Manson in Mindhunter for Season 2. Is this a case of, you know what, I'm pretty good at this, so I might as well just, you know, roll out the old Charles Manson impression again. (laughs)
1: I reckon uh, uh, someone might have saw him or said like, look, this dude is doing Charles Manson and he's absolutely slaying it. You know how like John Malkovich had a a phase of playing crazies or uh, oh, who's who's the other one? Oh, I can't remember. But um, maybe it's just like his year It's going to be looked back on. It's like this guy had an amazing year, was in some awesome stuff and I can't wait for Mindhunter. He must be doing a good job if he's got the call up for this film anyway, because the cast is incredible.
0: True, he must be sitting there going, you know what, I don't like preparing for roles, so I'm just going to prepare for the same character. Do you think he's going to go in a different, is it going to be the same like approach he's going to take, or do you think it will be completely different? I, I I don't think any self-respecting actor would just roll out the same,
1: the same thing, but <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Who knows? He might be one trick pony. He's just a he he can play a nutcase and that's what they want. Who knows? But I mean Tarantino's got so many good people in this movie that any number of people could pick up the slack in this. It's gonna be amazing.
0: True, very true. And I can imagine the 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 dialogue between Mindhunter and what's gonna be in a Tarantino movie is probably going to be very, very different. <laughs> Um, let's, let's move on so A Quiet Place we reviewed it earlier on this year in the podcast bit of a surprise package uh, really really enjoyed it it's kind of like we've kind of said this we kind of say this every year really but horror kind of goes through peaks and troughs and A Quiet Place is definitely a peak in terms of you know some of the best films of 2018 it was only a matter of time but a sequel has now been confirmed and they've dated it for 2020 it's a lot of the returning cast members I don't want to say who is back in it because it'll be a massive spoiler for the first film but there are returning cast members and the people behind the camera are penning paper to this as well so really really excited for this John did you catch A Quiet Place or this on your to watch it's list. still
1: on my to watch list but there's something incredibly uplifting and um satisfying about jim from the the american office having a really successful horror movie the start of a franchise maybe because he's just such a likable guy and what a good couple of years he's had so
0: oh my god yeah jack ryan have you seen the the trailers for that that looks so good oh, that drops in the next couple of days yeah
1: he played Jim for so many years. He was like, "All right, I'm getting hench, and I'm going to become an action superhero now." Fair play to him. I love, I love to see what he's going to do next.
0: Yeah, he narrowly missed out on Captain America.
1: Oh, who beat him to it? Remind me, Chris Evans. Chris Evans, of course. So bloody young and handsome.
0: Chris Evans. You can't imagine. You can't imagine anyone else other than Chris Evans playing the role. But. I mean, the fact that he, he got to the point where he was actually um, having a costume made for him. Oh, oh
1: we, yes, we, we touched on that.
0: Old Evans pipped him to the post. Um, anyway, speaking about sequels, Top Gun, Maverick, uh, we kept announcing lots of different cast members being being hired for this film, but unfortunately they've decided to push it back. Um, it's been pushed back till 2021, I do believe. Um God, that's a long time away, and that means that <laughs> we've got to wait a long time while they're drip-feeding little pieces of news to this. And they haven't given the actual logic behind this delayment, and I think maybe maybe Tom Cruise has had other things pop up. I know he's filming that Edge of Tomorrow sequel at the moment, which is going to be called Kill, Die, Repeat, Repeat, which is uh, an interesting title. Actually, that was the tagline for the first film, so it's kind of interesting they they've gone with that for the second film. But uh, but John, are you are you upset? Is this is this hurt your your feelings, or is this the sequel that no one was asking for? I, I I'm
1: firmly in that camp, and furthermore, I would I'm a bit disappointed in Tom Cruise. It feels like he's playing it safe in a period of his career where he could really you know do with something a bit more. Ambitious and original, but saying that, I don't want to have a go because the shape that he has to be in to do Mission Impossible, all of that, la da da. Absolutely respect, but it is—it's a franchise very well known, and I'd like to see him in something kind of interesting, like Vanilla Sky, bit of a, a controversial one there. But I love that movie, or you know, even Rain Man, just kind of something, something a bit different. Maybe he's listening. He'll he'll let me know.
0: I kind of agree with you to an extent. I mean, he did do stuff like Rock of Ages, which was pretty bad, Um and he did Edge of Tomorrow. That was kind of different. Oblivion was was uh, not based on the video game Oblivion, so I was really disappointed when I went into that cinema. But um I yeah, I kind of agree with you. He does play it a bit safe, but you can't fault him for his craft. I mean, the, the dude learnt to uh, pilot a helicopter six weeks before shooting Mission Impossible because he wanted to to literally fly the helicopter in all the action scenes which is insane <laughs> so yeah you've got to applaud that kind of uh, determination you can
1: imagine they were like we've got a helicopter pilots Tom you don't have to do this it's all good we've got you a body double he looks just like you and he's like no I'm going to learn to fly this helicopter if it's the last thing I do because that's how all action heroes speak in real life <laughs>
0: Uh, I think I've come to this conclusion that Tom Cruise basically has a bucket list of stuff he wants to do, but he's actually really tight with money. So he goes, you know what? I'll only do this film if there's a scene where I fly a helicopter. Yeah. I'll only do the film if I can climb up this tower in Dubai. Yeah. He's got his kind of like bucket Mm. list that he is is ticking off a film at a time. But you know what? What gets delayed makes way for other stuff. Mm. So I'm interested to see what else comes down the pipeline. Just to, to wrap up news. So talking a lot about guardians of the galaxy volume three obviously we've covered everything from the the controversy of the director to staff uh, not wanting to come back to refilm and all that sort of thing dave batista is currently doing the rounds at the moment in the press junkets promoting his new film um, which is based in a football stadium uh, it's in partnership with sky i think it's called final score yeah it final score sorry and um he decide, and obviously the questions of guardians keeps coming up and He's been dodging them mostly until he was doing an interview with Digital Spy. And they kind of wanted to get his reaction on the film on hold and if there are any updates he can give. And this is what he said. It's on permanent hold for now. And that may make a difference to what they do with our characters in Avengers 4. To be honest with you, right now, I really don't know. But I know I'm in Avengers 4. I've shot most of it already. I do have two days of reshoots, but other than that, I have some really great scenes that I hope they use, but I guess it remains to be seen what they do with the characters. That kind of suggests that they really haven't got a chaffing clue what they're going to do at the moment, to the point that they actually don't even know what they're going to do with Avengers 4, let alone the new Guardians film. So yeah, Disney must be pretty pissed off that Dave keeps talking his mouth at the moment. But uh, long may it continue, to be honest, because I think Disney do need a bit of a wake-up call for you can't keep just throwing your weight around and firing people for for quite frankly stupid reasons but uh but Johnny, are you are you you're getting sick and tired of me talking about this i don't mind you know i'm your
1: first and <laughs> foremost i'm your mate and i care about what you care about or i'll at least pretend to care about what you care about um maybe he's <laughs> angling to be fired himself you know just throwing out random conspiracy theories there
0: yeah, interesting, interesting point. But uh, I, to be honest, I think Dave Patista has come on such a way as an actor. Like he's seen in um, in Blade Runner 2049. He's he's barely in it, but he emotes so well in that scene. Or he, his stuff in Guardians is, is fantastic. It obviously progresses onwards from there as well. But um, And in Hotel Artemis, I loved him in that as well. So if it means he's no longer Drax, it kind of sucks. But again, it opens up more opportunities and he'll just go and do something else more awesome.
1: Yeah, he's definitely a uh, success story from a WWE kind of actor hybrid.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think he'll ever. I don't think anyone will ever eclipse the Rock of what that bloke's achieved over the last few years. But uh, I was speaking just about uh, with my wife the other day. Actually, we we're talking about um, why why is the Rock so good in every film we seem to watch him in, and we we're just like, well, yeah, you, know, you spend. The best part of 20 years as a wrestler, you have to use facial expressions to get your point across to people who are maybe at the back of the room. It's basically like theatre to an extent, right? You hear about these uh, these amazing actors who spent all these years at the Old Vic having to perform night after night and having to emote in a way which even a person at the back of a, a packed theatre would be able to understand what you're saying and articulating. So it's no surprise that The Rock is so charismatic and good in front of a camera because he's he's been training for it for the best part of 20 years. It's just a shame there's not that many out there.
1: Counterpoint, Bam Bam Bigelow in Major Pain, 95 Wayne's Brothers movie. Um, <laughs> incredible cameo, really... Uh, tested out his acting chops his versatility there I, I advise everyone to check out that underrated comedy from the 90s <laughs>
0: <laughs> you like Bam Bam? Bam Bam ding, you remember him? oh classic classic yeah 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 definitely definitely I mean I've got to be honest The Rock was probably my favourite wrestler growing up um, I did enjoy I did enjoy Jericho I thought he was pretty cool and big show because he had a he had a big hand <laughs> it's the simple things <laughs> it's the simple things anyway that's your news for this week fifty cents i'll suck your dick (laughs) well it's a great price
1: it almost makes me wish i had a dick for you to suck i'll take that as
0: a yes happy time murders is a comedy set in a world where puppets coexist with humans well i say coexist but they actually are treated as a subclass Uh, the film follows a detective detective phil phillips who's a disgraced puppet who was an ex-cop the first cop ...of the LAPD nonetheless... ...and uh, basically it starts off with him uncovering a couple of murders... ...it turns out these murders are part of a a popular TV show... ...called The the Happy Time Gang... ...and uh, he's got to solve this crime... ...he solves this crime with his ex-partner played by Melissa McCartney... ...and uh, it's it starts off in a very shock value way... ...it's supposed to basically take childhood classic memories of, of various puppets... ...and, and basically... Make it really fucked up, <laughs> John. What was your take at the start of this film?
1: Yeah, it came at you sort of like in a hundred 100 miles an hour, didn't it? It was like we're going to shock you straight away. Um, and for the first ten minutes, I have to say, it was I was there was quite a few laugh out loud moments. It was pretty entertaining stuff. Um, I mean, the milk milking others. In the back of it, yeah. If you watch it, you'll see. It's some pretty shocking puppet stuff. Lens from, I think, Avenue Q, the Broadway musical show, had similar ideas with puppets. And it has a kind of similar scenes which kind of go along with this. But, um, yeah, I mean, as the film wore on, it did feel like they were repeating the same sort of joke over and over again, uh, would you say that's fair, Flinty?
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, the, the shock value sort of wore off after the first sort of 20 minutes or so for me. Um, and it's kind of a don't get me wrong, it's a story trope which we've kind of seen before detective down on his luck gets a case, has to help out, told in a film noir style, also kind of with different classes of people in society. And um, thinking of the film Zootropolis, do you remember that? Yeah, it's kind of maybe elements of that, maybe elements of Training Day as well, uh, but you know, obviously at a comedy angle and the shock value of, of puppets having sex and all that sort of stuff, yeah, it's, it's funny, uh, but yeah, after a while you go, right, this would have been an amazing Saturday Night Live sketch rather than a 90-minute movie. Um, Cast-wise, I thought it was quite interesting. Uh, the person who'd done the voice of uh, Detective Phil, which they kind of tried to mould around a De Niro-esque sort of style... But it's actually voiced by uh, Bill Beretta, who's voiced tons of different characters in the Muppets for, for decades. And uh, it was interesting to see that the, the Henson family are actually a massive part of this. Brian Henson directed the film. And it's interesting to see the direction he's decided to take the family legacy.
1: Yeah, I think it is long overdue, you know, a, a grown up Muppets. Uh, obviously not tarnishing any of the sacred characters because that might be a bit overboard uh they probably wouldn't have wanted to do that to like you know jim henson's memory but i i think it's a really exciting way to kind of take it as a a sort of adult puppet movie i just feel it was it was kind of sex gag sex gag sex gag over and over again which was funny i'm not you're definitely not opposed to that sort of humor it's like it's good fun but when it's a whole 90 minutes of it you just feel like, where's the range here? We got a, there needs to be some genuine comedy liners, and there wasn't so much of them. There was a few.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, scripting wise, it was okay. It felt very like it felt like a Paul Figg movie, um, mainly because it had Melissa McCartney in it, and uh, her comedy style lends to those films we're very used to seeing her in, whether that's Bridesmaids or Ghostbusters or, or you know, all the other stuff she's done in between of that. It also had Elizabeth Banks. Uh, not having a big role in this but she's she, always great to see her in films as well as another community alumni with Joe McHale in it as well and he was he's again briefly in it but but very funny for the scenes that he was in Um it's getting really panned at the moment though critics are really slamming this one it's currently got 22% on Rotten Tomatoes and and everywhere everyone's basically saying to avoid it I'm, I'm, wouldn't go that far um it's it's there are some laugh out loud moments I judge it by how many times I laugh in the cinema and I laughed about if I laugh more than five times in the cinema then you know it's done its job and I think it's done its job from that perspective I will tell you who did laugh more than five times in the cinema the uh,
1: <laughs> the guy to our right who was on his own and literally I think he was paid by the Hensons to go and laugh at every available joke and I was just purely it didn't annoy me I was just envious I was so <laughs> jealous of this guy because I laughed about four times and I think there were some genuinely funny bits but this guy laughed at least once a minute loudly and he just had the whale of a time of a, of a movie of this caliber and I just You know, I'd love to be him because I could sit at home and watch these movies. They're they're ten a penny. (laughs) Maybe my standards are too high, Flinty.
0: Maybe, John, but I I agree with you. I am envious of people that find stuff funny that I don't because it it kind of feels like, you know how they say a smile is infectious? I think laughter is the fucking Mm. opposite. Like, if I hear someone laughing at something and then I look at it and I don't laugh, I'm thinking is that because you laughed and i didn't want to I subconsciously didn't want to be a sheep and follow along i don't know there may be something in that but uh but yeah well, our I very
1: am... own jamie hannon the science guy of course is uh is famously one of these people um... oh, he
0: he laughs at his laugh is so unmimicable and you can hear it he's like brian Blessed; you can hear him miles away <laughs> 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 but uh but yeah let's let's uh let's wrap this up so I, I personally think that it's, uh, it's a really interesting concept. Uh, I did laugh at it quite a bit. I do applaud the creativity and the boldness to go in this sort of direction. And although the shock value of puppets doing all the things that the puppets do in this film kind of fleets after a little while, there is a good film, I still think, at the core of this. Albeit, it probably would have done better off as a sketch. But that's probably a bit harsh. I'm thinking three out of five. What's your take, John? I want to say
1: free, but I feel it might be a two. I I think I'd go free because I do want to see this expand into some more original kind of clever ideas with puppets and that in an adult setting. But um, so yeah, I'll go along with free. Given the state of comedies these days, it did make us laugh a few times. So probably not justified the slamming it's got and i will say the puppeteering and all the puppets looked incredible were voiced incredibly uh and you know the the standard was right up there with the classic muppets movies you know they they looked amazing and so expressive so that side of the movie was really enjoyable as well so i'd say three out of five was is fair
0: there you go. And actually, just on that point, make sure you stick around during the credits because to, the, to John's point about the production value in this, they show a sizzle reel of of uh, all the scenes as they're making them and maybe some, some bloopers and everything else. You don't appreciate how much work goes into making these puppets and making them work on set. And the amount of, like, just to make a puppet walk across a street it's, there's, there's like four people involved in moving each limb and everything else. So, I mean, you've got to applaud that and how it shows on the screen. The final product looks great. So there you have it. Three out of five, happy time murders.
1: Oh, sorry about your dead human friend, Phillips. <gasps> <gasps> oh, that is good shit. Well, fuck me. Maybe.
0: So, John, we've just watched a film about puppets and we, we thought it was quite funny. But that got me thinking. If you could remake any film, but with puppets, what films would you make? And what scenes would you like to like to see from this? What would you enjoy from that? Um, uh, why, why, I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'll tell you a few that, that I was thinking about. I was thinking about this, actually, the other night. Um, just like, I'd love to see someone, any genius out there on, on, on YouTube, to take the Matrix, right, the first Matrix film, and don't voice act it. Actually, take the audio from the film and just recreate the Matrix with puppets. The idea of Morpheus looking dead, like deadpan, at Neo with that red and blue pill. That would, I think, that would look absolutely incredible. I think that
1: would. I think that's a
0: good shout. Something
1: that takes itself so seriously and is like sh- just shamelessly serious about the idea, but it's. A bonker's idea, I think that would work really well. There's no way to do a, a really a serious Muppet movie, and neither should anyone really try um so I was thinking a remake hear me out here, this is a bit wacky, but a remake of e t were that's set on a different planet with everyone as a muppet except from e t who would be a human. So he's gone to another planet, (laughs) the human. So it's all reversed, um, and there's some kind of uh, message in there for the kiddies, you know, of
0: acceptance and all that. (laughs) I love, I love the idea Uh, of that. Would would your ET be like just a normal person, or would it be a person but in the proportions of ET? (laughs) So we've got giant arms and.
1: I think it would be best if it was, like, just the most regular guy uh, like called Gary or something, and he's just, like, the most painfully average man <laughs> who would be played by, I don't know... Elijah Paul Wood. Rudge, ...got out of shape. <laughs> Elijah Wood, yeah. He, he might be able to do it.
0: Elijah Wood's Someone. the most average-looking person. Like If you ever, like, need a really good actor who, who can just pull off every man-day look, it's Elijah Wood. He didn't look out of place in that. Do you remember that... Um, football hooligan film he done where he hung out with a bunch yeah, of West Ham Dan- that's it and he hung out with a bunch of West Ham fans by the end of it he was singing I'm Forever Bland bubbles and everything wasn't he? but um, that's a good one I was thinking I know it's a bit on on the nose but remaking Showgirls but with puppets Okay. <laughs> just, okay. just just stripping puppets Just think, I just find hilarious and the scene in I mean not, not that I, I watch this film a lot, but the the scene in the pool where she basically has it off with the dude in the pool, I think that'd be hilarious to reenact with puppets. Um,
1: yeah, I'd I'd say how long could stripping puppets be funny for, though? You know, Yeah, it's a good point. Felt felt boobies. <laughs> it's true. I mean, all any Muppets movie has the problem of being like the joke gets old really quickly. Um, but what about you know how much I love my war movies? Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking some kind of Saving Private Ryan, gritty or Apocalypse Now maybe because that's a Vietnam War, isn't it? That's a bit more <laughs> uh, easy to laugh at. <laughs> I shouldn't say that, but uh, um, yeah, maybe uh, a war movie Muppets remake, just completely spoofing all the war <laughs> movies. I find I would find that amazing. Yeah. Imagine the gore! I don't know what why you'd have felt everywhere when you you just have you could have it as Gory as you like. Sort of Team America did a similar thing with the Thunderbird style puppets, didn't they? But if they were actually Muppets, I was just saying it seems it feels underappreciated, and it's probably more pertinent just the way world geopolitics
0: are at the moment. No, I, I agree with you. I I loved Team America. I really hoped that kind of launched a thing, but it kind of didn't. Uh, Matt and Trey, uh, obviously they they work in mysterious ways, and I'd love to see what their their next movie endeavor is. I reckon smart money is that they'll probably end up doing Book of Mormon as a as a uh, production uh, for film rather than rather than just on stage. But um, I was thinking, as you were talking through, because yeah, I know your love of war movies, I also know your love of The Shape of Water, and I'd love the idea of remaking that film. But it's still a human cast, but instead of the, the amphibian being this amazing merman, it's just a puppet. And just the, the scene at the end, uh, spoiler alert, when they're both in the sea and she gets shot and he saves them. That, that look of absolute love that they've encapsulated there in puppet form would be fucking hilarious. Yeah,
1: I could definitely get on board with that, I think. That's a good one. And I, I reckon someone could even edit that. If anyone's listening and has a spare, like, you know, 12 hours, if you want to edit A Shape of Water, <laughs> but instead of The Merman, uh, you know, some kind of lame puppet, I think that would really make our day. <laughs>
0: And uh, the only other one that I was having in my head was Reservoir Dogs. Just uh, everyone's human except, obviously, the main cast is puppets. And just the 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 stuck-in-the-middle-of-you scene with puppets would would be (laughs) incredible.
1: Yes, that's good. There's a whole gangster muppet. Oh, that's got to be... Henson, if you're listening, gangster muppet movie. You could even use a couple of the same characters as your happy time murders. That could be an absolute winner.
0: Oh, God, I imagine Bronson. Remember the Tom Hardy film, Bronson? Yes. Where she's like, I've got my wall paint on, I'm going to fuck you up. Oh, that'd be hilarious (laughs) as a puppet. Or snatch, (laughs) snatch
1: Bricktop as a puppet. Uh, Yeah, it's got to be gangster movie next. Come on. Let's get this message to them. There we go. Uh, just so everyone knows, obviously we've got way better ideas, but we don't want to disclose them on the podcast in case someone steals them. So you were hearing our B game today, isn't that right, Flinty?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go, John. Good work there. I didn't want to let the A stuff out. <laughs> so, um, so there you have it. What films do you think would make hilarious remakes in, as puppets? Uh, let us know on Twitter at Talk Filmy to me. box office higher or lower it's pretty much what the title suggests i'm going to talk about opening box office revenues of films made from boxofficemojo.com and my guest has to guess whether the next film is higher or lower so john if i said rampage starring the rock grossed 35.7 million dollars on its opening weekend jumanji welcome to the jungle higher or lower higher you are correct jumanji welcome to the jungle grossed 36.1 million dollars on its opening weekend only just. It's quite impressive considering that Jumanji is obviously the sequel to the beloved film, and Rampage, although still was part of the franchise. It's just the power of the rock there, isn't it? That's incredible. Um, so, John, I'll start off with Muppet's Christmas Carol grossed $5 million on its opening weekend. Basic instinct, higher or lower?
1: Oh, I think... That will be. I I think that might be in a slower burner, so I'm going to say lower.
0: You're incorrect. Basic Instinct grossed fifteen million dollars on its oh. opening weekend. People want to see more sex than puppets, apparently. <laughs> so from sexy puppets to to wartime films, Hacksaw Ridge, higher or lower? Oh, it's, it's got to be
1: higher, and I'll be very sad if it isn't.
0: It is higher, but only by seventy thousand dollars. Ooh. So Hacksaw Ridge grows $15.19 million.
1: Yes, go and see that people, it's amazing.
0: So Hacksaw Ridge to Taika Waititi with four Ragnarok, higher or lower? Oh,
1: four is going to be much higher, definitely.
0: Yeah, it absolutely obliterates it, $122 million in its opening weekend. So from one comedy to another, classic Jim Carrey movie, Liar Liar, higher or lower?
1: Oh, that would have been at its peak, wouldn't it? But
0: uh, yeah, but it's the nineties, fewer cinemas, tickets were cheaper?
1: Yeah, I'm gonna say lower.
0: Yep, you're correct. Thirty one million dollars in its opening weekend. So from from one I can't I can't link this, so I'm just gonna say Titanic, <laughs> higher or lower? <laughs> oh,
1: higher. Titanic was an absolute blockbuster.
0: Yes, but it was only a blockbuster because of how long it was in the cinemas. And it's only opening weekend, it only grossed $28 million. Lie, liar! actually made more money. Wow. Well, there's some knowledge
1: that I did not previously have.
0: So to, to wrap it up, uh, Ready Player One, higher or lower than Titanic on its opening weekend.
1: Oh, Ready Player One must have smashed it. I think, yeah, I'm going to say
0: 150 million. 50 million. It didn't gross. Uh, it didn't gross 150 million. It only grossed 41 million on its opening weekend. Really? Wow. I've yep. I've got no idea what people want anymore. I'm
1: confused. <laughs> I need to lie down.
0: I think if it's Star Wars or Marvel, it's always got a good chance of being 100 plus. But anything else, you ain't, yeah, it, it's so weird. But um, anyway, John, higher or lower? It's a bit of a poor week for you this week, pal. Three out of seven. Three
1: out of seven. Oh, I don't know about that. I need a VAR on that shit. That seems a bit unbelievable. Oh, VAR. <laughs>
0: I'm
1: Streaming a gems. There is Good no morning, dear. Day one thousand eight
0: hundred
1: eighteen. How about no?
0: you are not the captain you are a prisoner aboard this ship as soon as the crap hit the interstellar fan i became the captain for the streaming gem this week we're going to focus on animation over the last month netflix has launched two new tv shows we're going to review one of them this week you are going to review the other one next week uh the first one is final space this actually started life as a youtube clip made by uh by an amateur uh comedian. He got signed up by Netflix, got given a load of money and a lot of stars to help produce the TV show that is now called Final Space. The storyline is it's based in the future about an astronaut named Gary who comes across a planet-destroying creature called Mooncake and they embark on a bunch of journeys where they're going around the galaxy trying to save the world. I don't want to spoil it too much, but it's uh, it's yes, yeah, it's, it's pretty much it plays off the tropes of Star Trek, it plays off the whole planet destroying thing from Star Wars and it's it's kind of all those shades in between. It's got a very Rick and Morty feel about it. There's even a, an easter egg in the first episode of of Rick and Morty. It's spaced over 11 episodes. and I really enjoyed this. It's one of those you got to start you got to watch from start to finish and the comedy in it is i find quite original i really did enjoy some of this voice cast wise is absolutely stellar there's some really interesting people involved in this Uh, Stephen yen uh from the walking dead he voices a character in this david tennant uh, a doctor there we go we've got another doctor mentioned in the podcast as well and he's he's voiced characters in this and yeah it's i really enjoy this john you've seen the first episode so far what's your opinion
1: Yes. First episode for me. It definitely drew me in, intrigued me. Um, it seemed like an original animation uh, just set in a sci-fi sort of setting. I know Futurama does that, but it has a very different feel to that. So it seemed it a little bit more space. I have to admit, I didn't find it really funny. I'm not a massive Rick and Morty fan. Um, I know it's like a religion to some people, but I, I don't quite get it. I love simpsons family guy south park maybe i'm from a different the wrong era (laughs) but um yeah so i i didn't find it hugely funny but i only watched one episode so i'm willing to kind of give it a couple more how many do i need flinty is this going to be four hours before
0: i start enjoying it Um, i can't pinpoint the time when it becomes incredible but basically the writing in this show progresses very quickly and there's an element of—I don't want to spoil it—but there's an element of time travel that comes into it, and it it very much plays off the trope of. Do you remember the first? Uh, you haven't seen it, actually. I remember you talked about this in the podcast, and um, it pays tribute to JJ Abrams' first Star Trek film with the scene with his dad uh, dying in the first scenes. They kind of do a, a a tribute to that in this, and it becomes a real key narrative point. Uh, for the tv show excellent writing really emotional beats which you don't expect to see in a tv show like this so um there's heart to it is what i'm trying to say and it's very cleverly done there's some there are some jokes that miss you know like of any comedy if you're if you're trying to do a hundred things at once and you're trying to tick so many different boxes different people there's going to be a few times it will fall flat and this is no exception to that but i think there's some really clever writing it's from a hungry team that want to produce content which is really making us think differently and um, i think a lot of people will initially do the rick and morty comparisons and go this isn't as good as rick and morty but when it finds its feet i think probably around episode four or five um, is when it starts to really sort of pick up steam and I know it's kind of weird. TV's the only medium where you say, oh, well, I know you don't like it, but give it four hours and it gets good and you actually go and do that. But um, I do think this do- This is worth the the watch. This is worth going through the catalogue for.
1: Oh, contraire, Flinty, because olives. Uh, I-, I tried an olive every year of my life. <laughs> and that might not be true, but every every year of my adult life, once a year to check if I liked them yet because I was convinced I'd like them one day. And no joke, when I turned 30 a couple of years ago, I had an olive and I actually found it quite pleasant. And since then, I've been olive crazy. So maybe there are other things that we also... I don't know why that's relevant to TV or film. It's not. I'm just... <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, there you go. So, Have you got anything like that? So maybe if you watch one episode a year, John, in 10 years' time, I'll come back to you and say, what was your take on it? And you might say, yeah, it was all right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and no, I won't like olives anymore. So yeah.
0: I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this is a four out of five TV show for me. Netflix know they're onto a hit here, I think, and they've already commissioned a season two. Um, next week we're going to talk about disenchantment and the reason why we're kind of doing this as a back-to-back because it's kind of interesting we've got the the new approach of using new media to find talent obviously they discovered this this talent on youtube and, and brought that into the the netflix fold and produced this amazing show and you've got more of a traditional style matt Groening. Um, obviously the the founder of the simpsons there's an argument to say if the simpsons is any good anymore and anything else but let's let's park that discussion Netflix gave him Netflix money, and he's going to made a new TV show, and we'll review that next week. So, if you have a chance, review that. Send us your thoughts on that as well on at Talk Filmy to Me on Twitter. As long as I draw breath, and you provide me with copious amounts of adventure, I will be there for you. We're a team now. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to this as much as we've enjoyed making it, please click on the like, follow, subscribe, whatever button it means that you get more content from Talk Filmy to Me. I'd like to thank my boy, John. How can people find you?
1: Uh, You can find me on Twitter, also at, uh, at Descamento.
0: Next week, we'll be back with more reviews, we'll play games, we'll talk about streaming gems, and there'll be other things to boot as well. Till next time, stay filmy. We're down in the basement. We'll lock the cellar door and baby. Talk filmy to me. Oh, baby.